Hello and welcome to Keanu Club, like a cool breeze over the mountains. Today's movie is Walt Disney's wonderful world of color, Young Again, from 1986. I'm Joey Lewandowski. And I'm Mike Manzi. I'm not exactly sure, honestly, what this is. Wonderful World of Color was a TV series that was on for like something like 40 years, like from 1954 to 1992. It was an anthology that covered many genres, but it's not really a TV series because this is a feature-length movie. So I'm not sure if it was like a weekly TV movie of the week. I don't know exactly what they did. I didn't do much research on that. Do you know anything about that? Just about as much as you do. I just remember as a kid, Channel 7 would periodically run Disney programming, special movie events. I remember they did stuff like Absent-Minded Professor and... It's part of their family programming. I know there was also the Disney Channel, so they had to provide content for that as well. I had that for some time when I was a kid as well. Disney had their own thing going on forever, really. And I remember their their television channel was really big in the 80s, one of those uh, early cable networks. So I'm looking on Wiki right now, and it looks like the it's the Walt Disney Anthology Television Series is the article. And it went through many different names. It was called Disneyland, then Presents, then The Wonderful World of Color, Wonderful World of Disney, and then Disney's Wonderful World, and so on and so forth. And it's like, I don't understand. They just kept kept renaming it. It's the second longest running primetime program on American television, only behind the Hallmark Hall of Fame. So this is like a sort of like an institution, you know what I mean? Like it was on for 38 years. They published all this different content. This movie, Young Again, is, I guess, you know, it's it's like a body swap movie, kind of. It's about this guy who's 40 who wants to be 17. And it's something that we've seen a couple times since then. You sent me a link to some movie called 18 Again. Um, one of the other podcasts on the network, Zack Attack, we're going to be getting to 17 again before too long. I mean, this is a movie that we've seen a couple times more recently about an older person wanting to sort of reclaim their youth. And it's sort of mm-hmm. like, you, as you were describing it, right, like the anti-big. I, I definitely saw it as the reverse big almost, where in that it's about a teenager who becomes an adult. This is about the adult who becomes the teenager. And Disney has done stuff like this with Freaky Friday, you know, the body swap film and stuff like this was always kind of big. I feel that this is a genre that perseveres to this day. They really go for it with this one, too. It hits what I, I think it hits all the right beats. It goes through all the right motions. This movie's just crazy. I don't even know, man. Like, we just got to get into it. It's full of cliches, but also sort of, like, wonderfully stupid. I'm not sure. Also, at the same time, though, I don't know if they're cliches then. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like they're cliches because other movies we've seen since then did this. Unless you really know everything about a particular genre or a particular style of movie like this, it's sort of hard to tell sometimes if things are cliche because you've seen so much since then, or if this was still cliche at the time. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if people copied this or if other people along with this copied something else. Either way, it feels cliche, but it's also like, it's just fun in how predictable and sort of silly, but it's not like, it's so earnest. And I think that's what's entertaining about it. Whatever it's doing, it works. It it might be familiar. It may be wrote. It may not 
be the most creative thing. You may have seen this a thousand times, but it does it really well. It pulls it off, I feel, and in large part, I believe, to our leading man, first time leading man. He's he's going to carry this whole movie on his shoulders and carry it well. He does. Keanu Reeves front and center. Yeah, and what's weird about this, this is the seventh episode of Keanu Club, and we've had to skip two or three different things, and still, the the movie introduces him in the opening credits as, and introducing Keanu Reeves. So even though he's been in a bunch of stuff, I guess this is the first thing that like people would really see him in, and I think you're right, I mean, he's really good in this movie. He sort of channels a little bit of that stereo team that we saw in Letting Go. He even has, you know, that the, the cassette player on his hip. He's just like dancing around, listening to music. I mean, he sort of channels those kind of things, but like this is sort of a breakout performance for him. I mean, this is, I guess you would say, probably like the Valley Girl for Cage. He's the lead here. This is his film. He's playing the young Robert York, who isn't a nobody. People are going to recognize him, and to play a younger version of that guy is going to take some talent. Well, the movie starts out like Keanu doesn't show up for 15 minutes because the movie starts out in the main guy, who is Michael Riley. He is 40 years old, and the movie starts out him playing racquetball, and this opening montage, and it's not even like a montage, like it's it's a montage in like a different sort of way, and everything about this intro is so 80s. Like they have him sort of getting ready, like slowly putting on his racquetball gloves as it's intercut with him playing racquetball <laughs> against this 17-and-a-half-year-old who works at his office and delivers sandwiches, mm-hmm. which his whole... I want to talk about him for an hour, because <laughs> this kid, it feels like he's either like an intern or he's like some external guy who works at like some nearby deli. Yep. But no, I feel like, based on like what he describes, this kid is just some like 17-and-a-half-year-old... I keep saying that because he emphasizes I'm 17 and a half. Some 17 and a half year old entrepreneur who I guess makes sandwiches at his house and then brings them in and distributes them around the office. I don't know what this kid is doing, but aside from destroying Michael Riley at racquetball and making him long for his youth, I'm not sure what this kid is doing, but like I am fascinated by this kid. Yeah, I was pretty impressed. Not to get too far ahead, but later on when... Keanu comes back to the office as a as a teenager. This guy comes up and is like, "Oh, I deliver the sandwiches to this office. You know, <laughs> you gotta find a new place, buddy. I I run this joint. I gotta ask a question. What does the main character Michael actually do for a living? I, I understand because he's playing racquetball that he's super rich because it's just a total rich man sport depicted in film, at least. I don't know if actual rich people play racquetball, but they sure do in movies. And then his other thing is that his best friend seems to be this 17 and a half year old kid. But I can't <laughs> tell you for the life of me what his job is. I think he's a banker, maybe a lawyer or, or a banking lawyer or something. Well, I have a question about him, and then I, I, have, I have an idea what his career is. So he's not married. Whose photograph is on his desk? Is that Laura? <laughs> I could, I didn't even went back to look, but it's the only thing that makes sense. That's that so creep, though. He's been pining over her this whole time. It's weird. So the racquetball kid comes into his office and is like asking what kind of sandwich he wants for lunch, and he's telling him about how he has to worry about cholesterol, so he can't have roast beef. And the kid's like, he's like, you know, why are you here? Like, why aren't you out dancing or roller skating or having fun with your friends? The kid's like, I want to have a career. I want to make money. I want to do this. I want to do that. He's like, I want to have like a beautiful. He's like, I don't even know any girls who look like this. And he just like points down to Michael Riley's desk, and there's just like this eight by ten 
framed photograph of a woman. And so I'm like, oh, that's his wife. But then we find out that he's not married, that he's sort of squandered his opportunities for love because he's been so career-focused. So it's really unclear who this woman is. <laughs> I mean, the only woman that it makes any sense in terms of the movie or in terms of his life is this woman, Laura, who we'll conveniently run into later. But even that, like, that's so creepy. Like, this girl that he dated in high school and probably hasn't seen since then, or maybe shortly thereafter, he just has a photo of her on it. Like, it's it's crazy. <laughs> I mean, it's either that, or he just cut out a picture in a magazine and put it there to impress people. <laughs> either way, this guy's got problems right off the bat. I, I mean, the things coming out of his mouth, you know, youth is wasted on the young. Yeah. It turns out it's his 40th birthday. Like, there's yep. all types of convenient things going on. He he kind of turns to the camera at one point almost and just says flat out, I want to be 17 again. <laughs> <laughs> he kind of just seems like he hates his life. He's having a midlife crisis. It's his birthday. There's a surprise. Is it a surprise party at his apartment? He doesn't seem too surprised, but he's not exactly thrilled to be there either. He doesn't like kids being at his party, so it's confusing why he wants to be young again. Right. So I think that he is, just going back real quick, I think he's a lawyer. And the only reason I think that is because when he becomes young Keanu, Keanu knows so much about the Constitution. And so I feel like that is some basis in law. But, I mean, they don't do a good job of establishing what he is other than the fact that he wears a three-piece suit and has a corner office. He's basically, for the purpose of the movie, he's just a successful businessman. From the classroom scenes, all I got from that was Keanu had been through high school already, so he knew all the answers. I didn't necessarily think it had anything to do with his future career or anything. I was just like, oh. Also possible. So what's funny is that at his party, this guy comes up to him, and he's just like, Michael? Michael Riley? And the guy's just like, uh, yeah? He's like, we went to high school together. He's like, I was with these two other friends. They said we were going to a party for Michael Riley. We wanted to, I wanted to see if it was the same Michael Riley, and it is. Like, do you remember me? And they're like, yeah, 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 yeah. Michael Riley says to the guy, you look the same to me. And the guy says back, well, you look different. And Michael Riley says, oh. And the guy's like, uh, but I mean, uh, like, you look good, though. <laughs> and it just, it's so ham-fisted that basically everything that's going on, like, every line of dialogue up until he body swaps is basically like, hey, this guy's old and unhappy, and, like, everything is going to remind him. They're basically, I wrote down, like, just body swap with this racquetball kid, you know what I mean? Like, he <laughs> wants to be old, you know, he wants to be young. Just, like, do it in the office, get it, up, get it done with. Like, everything is so hit you over the head with, like, do you get it? Like, he's not happy. It's just so hard, so much, so quick. I mean, the only thing I can think of there is that it's it's a Disney movie. I think this is targeted towards kids i think i mean who is this for no idea i'm not even sure who this is targeted i mean i guess it's supposed to be for the whole family that the entire family can sit down and watch this thing but this is really depressing up front like you know if this guy doesn't turn 17 the next thing he's gonna do is jump off a building or something like that's what i'm getting from him like his attitude you know he's super depressed about his life man and, like, what makes it worse is that he's got this longing for this woman named Laura. Laura's okay. hard luck story, too. Yeah, so Laura is this woman, this, this person from his past that he was dating at one point and lost. And we don't really know what happened. And he calls Laura from his birthday party and leaves her a voicemail about how he misses her and blah, 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 blah. And then that's it. And then he gets on a bus. Why does he get on a bus? Where is he going? I 
wasn't sure if he was just going to go back to Georgetown where he said he grew up and went to high school where this where this girl actually lives. I couldn't get her on the phone. I'm going to go show up at her door because Which I'm a is maniac. So creepy. Yeah. So, creepy. <laughs> so nuts. Either that or he is starting to really snap and lose it and he's going to be one of those crazy people who rides the bus at midnight until five in the morning and then wake up three months later and realize he created a fight club without knowing it or something (laughs) but yeah he's he's sort of in a daze right he just kind of walks out of his building and and onto a bus he's on a bus because the movie needs him on a bus but does it need him on a bus it needs him to meet an angel yeah he needs him to be in public somewhere where a guy can like without being too creepy come up to him and have a conversation with him. But this guy, I guess, you know, not being too creepy is not in this guy's wheelhouse because (laughs) the second or third sentence this guy says to him is something like, every man has a Laura, the one girl he can't get his mind off of. And the guy's like, wait, how do you know that? He's like, how do you know my name? Like, what is going on? He's just like, you think your problems lie in the past, but maybe they lie in the present. And then he just disappears. Like, he's just like this creepy old white guy. Thought maybe he could be God. I mean, later in the movie, he calls him an angel. But, I mean, he fits in with, like, that idea of who we think God is. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And then we cut back to Michael Riley, and all of a sudden, he's Keanu. And what's crazy is that in all these body swap movies, I feel like they all, like, the change happens overnight. Like, you wake up, and, like, you go to the bathroom, and you see it as a different person. Here, it's just anybody watching would have seen the body swap happen, and they would have probably gone insane. It's such a weird, sudden body swap. It's kind of amazing. Yeah, it's super jarring. It's it's super sudden. It's ultra sudden. It's really quick. It happens within a cut from one shot to the next. It's it's basically a shot of Robert Yorick, then a shot of the bus driver, and then he's Keanu Reeves all of a sudden. <laughs> like, they just cut back. You're right. I was expecting there to be a storm overnight and he'll wake up as a kid or go through some kind of transformation where he's walking down the street and his clothes get too big. Have it take some time. This was very sudden. And I'm like, okay, here we go. We're off. We're young again. But I guess that it, he, I guess he really wasn't on the bus going to Georgetown because as soon as he becomes a kid, the first thing he does is he goes back to his apartment building. But he's saying things like, I'm a kid, I'm a kid, and like, I'm just a kid. Kids don't care. And he's just like walking around just saying he's a kid, I guess, to anybody who wants to listen. And he gets to the doorman. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm Michael Riley's son. Just let me up. It's so weird. And he's just like so excited. It's real. I don't know how it can be, but it is. I... I should be worried about this, but I don't care. I mean, I'm just a kid. Kids don't care. I mean, (laughs) mister, I don't know who you are or how you did this, but I love you for it. And this next scene is the kind of scene that you make a movie like this to to film it's like the scene that you're watching this movie for it's him just being crazy and just trying on different clothes and dancing in the mirror and basically like what a kid would be doing playing dress up except it's the adult as a kid dressing back up as his adult self like it's (laughs) weird and twisted but like it's this great goofy scene that you've seen in every movie like this but just you still you still can't help but love it's the risky business moment when the parents are away for the weekend and you get to run around the house. And now he's the kid running around his own house because there's no rules because he's the kid and the adults. <laughs> like, what? And he cranks up that, that classic song, Shout, you know, You Make Me Wanna. Basically, you said, yeah, just dances around his apartment 
I, I was starting to wonder if he retained his adult knowledge or is he legitimately a teenager again, like his teenage self, because in this scene, he's acting just crazy. And But in the next scene, when he goes to the mall, it's confirmed he is a 40-year-old in that head because he needs some help, this kid, fitting in. <laughs> He needs help fitting in in both what he looks like and what he dresses like, but also in just knowing things. Like, the whole point of him wanting to be a kid again is that he knows his experiences, he knows, like, how to do it right, he's not going to make mistakes, but the whole him as a kid is just so out of place. He's like, how do you think this looks? And the guy's like, oh, it looks geeky. He's like, geeky's not good? But Rad's good? He's like, I've got, he literally says, I've got some research to do. Excuse me, would you wear this? For how much? It's not good, right? It's Kiki. Kiki's not good? Now this is pretty rad. Rad is good. Yeah. I got some research to do. And it's just like, yeah, you shouldn't be in public. Like, you're so out of place. Like, it just yeah. doesn't work. And then instead yeah. of going and learning about culture, instead he starts skateboarding through a mall with sunglasses on. You know, got the cassette player on his hip. He's just a stereo teen, just like he wasn't letting go. He shows up to his job for some reason. I don't understand what his plan is. I don't think he knows what his plan is. I think he's just running around doing things because he's a kid with no responsibilities. Yeah, he has what I am going to refer to as Jump Street Syndrome, where it's like we're going undercover as teenagers, yet we're so out of touch with what teenagers are about that we don't know how to fit in correctly. He's like a, he, he's, he's like a, he looks like a narc or something, right? He's like an undercover yeah. cop. Like he just can't fit in because he, he has that adult mentality. So already this deal isn't exactly what he might have bargained for because he has to readjust his entire social perspective on things now it's it's not the same as i i wonder if he thought when he was 40 i'll be 17 again but i'll be 17 back when i was a 17 year old and everything right. will be the same but this is something he may not have bargained for and and yeah you're right he should not go outside he is some kind of weird space-time anomaly who knows what kind of damage he's doing out there and like <laughs> you know drawing attention to himself by skateboarding through the mall like that was just like it's like no sir you should even know, back in your day, that was not proper etiquette. Well, like, what's so weird is that nobody recognizes him. Nobody's like, are you? Like, I guess that's like... Okay, it's so, so this is also that. like um, Superman 3 syndrome when Clark Kent goes to his high school reunion and there's literally a picture of him from high school without his glasses on and it's Superman. You know, <laughs> like, there's no mistaking it. Yeah. But, but yeah, that's sort of what's going on with Keanu is like it's uncanny the resemblance apparently, but no one can tell. Well, he goes to his principal, who apparently knew his dad. He goes to, he eventually finds Laura, the woman that he was dating, and neither of them say, you look like the same person. They're like, you look so much like your dad. But he is himself. It's not <laughs> like he looks like himself. He is himself. Unless we're to believe that this angel turned him into what his son would look like but that's not like implied ever it's like you're 17 like you are you at 17 right yeah that's he thinks he looks like himself at 17 like he looks in the mirror and he clearly recognizes himself so that is what he used to look like 
they say there's, oh, there's a resemblance, there's a resemblance, but go flip through a yearbook. You know, where's that scene in the movie where, where Laura's flipping through her old yearbook to be like, oh my gosh, it's him, or figuring something. Or, or Tracy, even. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. there's so many different possibilities. But I guess that doesn't matter. It's like magical realism. No, like, it's, I mean, also, I guess the thing is that by the end of the movie, spoiler alert for the end, when he becomes 40 again, it turns out that Laura doesn't remember anything. So maybe they're all sort of have men in black mind wipe syndrome, sort of like they don't (laughs) exactly know what's going on that they're not like, Oh, you are exactly. It's just like, Oh, you know, you remind, you know what I mean? I don't know. Maybe they're just like playing with memory. I'm not sure. It's all that crafty angels doing. He's just creating this delusion for Michael to live out this fantasy Okay, so I think the main thing is this just isn't supposed to get in the way of the premise, okay? The movie just wants to be fun and be this what-if, imagine-that kind of movie. Right. Uh, but the thing I don't understand is if you're 17, why do you want to go back to high school? doesn't make any sense. What it is makes that? no sense. He goes – so his whole plan is that he returns to Georgetown. And I was like, oh, is he going to go see his parents? That would be that would be mm. crazy if you have parents who are, you know, 65, 70 years old or whatever, and you show up instead of as your 40-year-old self, as your high school self. That would be fun. But no, instead he goes and rents an apartment. He's independently wealthy because his dad has money. And then he re-enrolls at his high school. And the principal, rightly so, is just like, uh, you have no records. Like, I can't let you in here. But then all it takes is Keanu saying, oh, my parents are dead and I'm really good at basketball. And the principal's like, well, let's just get, let's get you enrolled. Like, we need help on the basketball team. And that's it. That's the obstacle that he has to overcome in order to be, like, I, it's so crazy. But you're right. Why would you go to school when you have banker money or lawyer money? You know what I mean? Yeah. You have basically unlimited wealth for a 17-year-old, and your choice of fun is to go to high school and then jumping ahead a little bit, tutor a dude like what is going on did he tutor some guy in economics it's like go to europe travel the world do crazy things like you're rich you're young you have it all now i'm gonna go back not not only to high school but the same one that he already went to and he just sits there bored to death (laughs) like it just makes no sense my immediate response was hey man go get laid do something but that yeah brings up very shady territory because technically he's 40. He shouldn't run around trying to get in the pants of these like 16-year-old girls. Like you have to think if this is not a Disney movie, this is going to be like, if this is like a raunchy sort of sex comedy, you're not 17, you're 18, right? You get to like bang all these 18-year-olds or, I'm sorry, sip Miss McGill's tea with a bunch of 18-year-olds. But here you're now in high school, you're 17, like your love interest is 15, everything is so gross and creepy, and yet because it's Disney, we're not supposed to care because like that's not supposed to be on our mind. It's weird. It gets even worse when the girl that he sort of has his eye on, this 15-year-old Tracy, turns out to be the daughter of the lady that he called, Laura, that he called and left the message yeah. with. And, and her story, we find out from the angel on the bus. He's just like, oh, yeah, Laura's husband died. She's a widow now. You should look her up. <laughs> like trying to play matchmaker. So first we're dealing with a 40-year-old going out with a 15-year-old. And once he sees the mother that it's Laura, now it's this 17-year-old with a 40-year-old mind going after another 40-year-old woman who happens to be the mother of 
his girlfriend is just <laughs> beyond me. You know, this is beyond Disney. They shouldn't be tackling this kind of stuff. Well, what's so weird and funny, like the only foreshadowing that they really do, is that when he sees Tracy for the first time, he says to his friends, who apparently are his friends because he's like a smart guy, but also kind of cool for being a smart guy, every high school thing I've ever seen, anybody who answers a question is automatically a nerd, you know what I mean? But here, this group of friends apparently likes and respects him because he's smart. I guess that's the Disney thing, like, hey kids, try at school, you'll make friends. Like This movie, I told you this earlier, it's like the writers, and this happens like with a lot of high school movies, I feel, it's, it's like the screenwriters have never gone to high school. Like, they are so out of touch with everything about school that it's just like, oh, they just somehow skipped all of education and now they're just writing movies. Yeah. Like, this kid becomes the cool, popular kid because he's smart and also on the basketball team. Like, I don't know. It's, it's strange. Well, the, I think the writers have what I like to refer to as Jump Street Syndrome. They are these 40-year-old guys trying to write for 17-year-olds in the 80s, you know? And they're like, oh, what are 17-year-olds into? Madonna? Okay. Like, <laughs> let's just take that and run with it. And Disney, of course, they're like, you know, everybody's got to be friends with everybody. That's the Disney way. But they don't even do a good job of it in this because one of the comments he makes is something like, hey, you're pretty cool for a weirdo or for a weird kid, you know? I- I have a quote. I have a quote here. It says, "You're okay for a smart guy." Yeah. So it's a backhanded compliment. <laughs> what I love, what I, what I don't want to skip over before we get into like the weird meet cute between him and the kiddies tutoring is the basketball tryout. We know that Keanu's from Canada. We saw him play hockey in Youngblood. I mean, he wasn't in Youngblood a whole lot, but he sold it as a hockey player. Here, he is not selling it as a basketball <laughs> player at all. Like, it looks like he's never held a basketball in his life. He's, like, putting up the weirdest shots. The first thing, he finally convinces the coach to give him a chance. And the coach rockets a ball at him. And he yeah. catches it and does, like, a half step to the left. And then just, like, with his left hand, just tosses it and swish. And then, like, every shot he's doing, they're all nothing but net. In the game, I mean, he's 6-1 and white, need I remind you. He's dunking like crazy. He's like the best player in the league, apparently going to be scouted by college scouts. And all the while, Keanu, as great as he is in this movie, just not selling the basketball skills at all. He's supposed to have this amazing outside shot. He's supposed to just (laughs) get incredible ups and all of that, but not even through the magic of editing could they really convince me this time around. It's... It was kind of a drag, but it was also kind of funny watching them try and pull it off. What what I really loved about all this is the coach. This coach was awesome. I, mean, I don't know what it was. There's just something about him. He was just he's just one of those guys who is um you know those defeated guys who finally sees like his meal ticket and he sees Keanu and he just starts like salivating and he's like, Oh right, finally this is my year. And he maintains that throughout the rest of the film. He gives a, an incredible speech at the pep yeah. rally that really yes. gets everyone going. That's sort of like his president Independence Day speech. This is our year He's like, this is the year of the rebels. And I wrote down, this pep rally is off the hook. Like, the crowd is going nuts. He's like, look at this team. He's like, these are your rebels. We're going to win it all. And, like, people are going crazy. These guys are going to go out there and win those ball games for us. You know, there's more than a dozen players on a team. There's the fans, and that's you. And I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing all of you out there this year supporting our boys. 
feeling you won't be disappointed. This, this is the year of the rebels. And this guy is loving it because Keanu's some white kid who can score like 22 points a game. Apparently that's enough. What's also weird about the basketball scenes is they're never in a close game. Like when, when the one game that they really show, they're up by 12 the entire time. It's not like he's hitting game-winning three-pointers that go from behind to winning. He's just dunking to end the game, and instead of winning by 10, they win by 12. It's just like, oh, okay. It's just They just want to show how great he is. I mean, even to the extent <laughs> of putting him on the the cover of the newspaper several times. Laura even gets one of her stories bumped off the front page because Keanu scored 20 points that day. Which I love, the, you know, the newspaper, the front page of the newspaper, a real big Cajun action going back to Seeking Justice and a couple other Cage movies. I mean, there's been a real history. Like, I love seeing just, you know, this actor that we're following, just like his face or Keanu, like, dunking or whatever, like, being carried away. Just great to see them on the front page of a newspaper, I think. You talked about him going to work, but did you talk about him going to the club or the zone? So before he goes to school, when he's still at work, he shows up at work and he gets accosted by that sandwich kid. He's just like, hey, this is my sandwich kid. You get out of here. And Keanu says, and I quote, now, if you'll excuse me, I've got some dancing to do. And he just goes off to this dance club, which is called what? The zone? Yeah. In the middle of the day. It's packed with kids. It is jumping, and he's wearing sunglasses. I'm th- I'm getting future flashes to the Matrix. Club uh, scene. Yeah, the club scene, exactly. He saunters up to the bar and orders an orange juice. So smooth. <laughs> and he's, like, trying to hit on this girl. He's like, hey, what's the name of the song? She's like, you don't know this song? He's like, oh, right, yeah, like, I remember the song now. He's like, you want to dance? And she walks away. And then, like, an even cuter girl just comes up, just like, hey, you want to dance? And he's like, all right. And then he goes on the dance floor and does, I don't know, a two-minute dance solo? (laughs) It's so long for no reason, just like Keanu dancing. Because I'm not even sure if it's really him dancing the entire time, because they spend so much time just staring at his feet. It's just like, oh, okay. But then they show him, like, jumping around and dancing around and just being a kid. I wonder if he does have a foot double in this sequence. He is a dance machine. I mean, he's doing a full routine. He commands the entire dance floor at one point, and there's a crowd of people around him. By the time he's doing the moonwalk, they're they're going nuts. And he kind of <laughs> looks up, and he doesn't even realize what's happened. It's just taken over, you know? His, his youth has sort of possessed him. It's wonderful. And then, you know, after, like, riding this high... It's, that's why it's so weird that his decision is to go to school. It's like, this is what you should be doing. Yeah. You should be like at the mall. You should be at the club. You should be talking to girls, as creepy as that is, because you're a 40-year-old dude. Like, be a kid. Like, have the fun that you were telling the sandwich kid to have. Don't go to school and, like, do well in class and tutor a dude, which is, like, set up. It's basically like a rom-com meet-cute that, like, you know, they have this triumphant moment, which later in the movie... <laughs> the kid gets his grade back and he yells across the cafeteria <laughs> hey I got my grade it's a C plus and the entire cafeteria erupts in applause like what is going on in this school it's so strange especially the music of the montage I think it's that Howard Jones song things will only get better it's usually a song I would equate to a montage of a breakup or at least a boy and a girl getting together but 
it's bizarre. It's just, you know, it's like, look how awesome tutoring is and look how, what great friendship they're striking up and they're <laughs> bonding and it's like boys hanging out and it's so strange. It's, i tell you what though, in the long run, this is better time spent than creeping on some poor little 16 year old girls in that high school. In retrospect, it is kind of a better idea for him to be just hanging with the guys doing some economics. I mean, I guess so. I guess that's why, because it's a Disney thing, right? That you, so you want to show you're good in school. You want to show that you like it. It's it pays to tutor kids. That you're not just be hitting on girls. They might be trying to show. Look how square he is. Like he's a kid, but he still can't help but act like he's forty. He's almost assuming this teacher role, this fatherly role. He sees these kids not as peers, but sort of as as people he needs to mentor. Maybe they even they even do that same thing. Like they highlight that when they're eating food. He's talking about like the cholesterol and about how these things are caked in salt. He's like, it's it's a wonder that you're not dead eating this food like what do you like we're 17 like we're even like when they're cruising a little bit later he's like do you guys think you're invincible or invulnerable they're like yeah we do they're not worried about like what crappy cafeteria food is going to do to their body they're just eating that because that's literally the only choice he's so out of touch and really makes no effort at all to fit in the closest thing he gets to fitting in is just not talking you know, it, it almost seems like he's made up his mind that he doesn't like these people. Like, he's not going to try to relate. He's like, okay, so this is this is going to be the bum end of the deal. All right, I get it. Like, I'll just not even put in any effort. Like, I'll just be the square. It doesn't matter to me. Like, I'm still, I, at least I'm young. And they go out cruising, and he says, and I quote, don't you guys have any respect for women? I mean, wouldn't it be better if we pulled over and talked to them instead of yelling out the window? And he talks about how, like, I just don't understand. Like, it's just like a waste of effort to me. They're not going to, like, get with us because of this. You know, he's trying to, like, redefine what cruising is, which is just, like, <laughs> driving down the street until you see girls and then pulling over and talking to them. And then I guess driving like i don't i don't but know his generation what would have cruised like they're doing yeah. you know, i've seen american graffiti i know what yeah. went on in the 50s and like what is he even talking about he should be taking notes from what they're doing you know <laughs> like okay to cruise the strip means to yell at girls got it to cow tip means to push over a sleep got it like can't wait to do this instead he's like guys it's getting past our bedtime basically <laughs> like i think we should be heading home or we shouldn't really be disrespecting animals and such leave the cows alone it's like come on man what did you want to be a kid for what kind of kid were you i shudder to think what he was like in high school was this the way he was like was he shunned because he liked to sit with the teachers at lunchtime and eat with them I have no idea. I don't know if, yeah, I don't know if, like, this is him being the same way he was in high school or if this is him just as a 40-year-old trying to fit in. I don't know what's going on. But it's really at this point where I just wrote down, why do these kids tolerate him? I don't understand. Because he's perpetually a buzzkill. Like, he's not suggesting anything fun. He's ruining everything that they're doing. Just because he's popular, like, they're just putting up with it because he's on the basketball team. Like, I don't understand why they hang out with him. I think it's the basketball thing, the popularity, the the peer pressure maybe, but it's also cuz he's helping the one the the what looks like the leader of the crew pass the course. He's tutoring right. the one guy. So I think until they're done using him, they're going to keep him hanging on and and it is kind of funny where you do sort of get the idea that 
they kind of do genuinely want to get to know him and like him in the beginning. I mean, that is kind of a funny initiation thing where they drive out to the pasture to do some cow tipping and they just leave him out there. They just peel out immediately. But he can't even take the joke. You know, he like comes into school the next day and he's like, ha ha guys, like real funny, like make me walk two miles home and is genuinely upset with them. And they're like, dude, we're just kids. This is what kids do. <laughs> Who do you think you are? Like a 40 year old guy or something? Yeah, I am a 40 year old guy. What, what is it to you? I don't understand anything about anything. Like, it feels like he's been in this high school for a day and a half, and yet everybody already knows who he is, everybody thinks he's a genius, everybody loves him, you know, he's like the leader of the basketball team, he's like hanging out with the cool kids, there's no sense of time in this movie. I mean, he's only been there for a couple of days, right? And it seems like everybody already knows him. Yeah, but he's the new kid, you know? And he made a big impression those first few days. So everyone is always like, what's going to happen with the new kid? Is he, you know, how long is he going to be new for? How long are we going to like, are we going to like this guy in the end or what's going on? So I think maybe just because he's new, he's he's making a big scene. It's kind of hard to ignore him. And also, this, is, this appears to be a pretty small town and word travels fast about everything in this town. Yeah. As we'll get to learn later. But it's also around the same time where he sees Tracy for the first time and it's just like this cute 15 year old girl and he's just like she looks familiar and he's like he's like do have I do I know her and all the guys are just like oh we all know her like we all want to know her it's like it's creepy and weird like they haven't all hooked up with her but it seems like she's kind of like they kind of almost peg her a little bit like as like a slut or like this like object of everybody's affection like I don't know it's just whatever it is it's just creepy and uncomfortable they are just these 17 year old guys so they're probably just doing what guys do is talk a lot of shit about girls at that age you know even if they if they're loose or not you know i think guys are just gonna talk that way as you know especially if one of them likes that girl they're gonna be like oh yeah like you like her ill like gross or what you know even if there's absolutely nothing wrong with them so that's sort of that's sort of how i took it maybe they're they're intimidated by her beauty and and her charm because this girl is super charming too she's got some of the best lines in the movie she's got a great energy about her it's just really uncomfortable when Keanu asks her out. Like, she almost feels like she's 42. You're 40 as well. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. she's so beyond her years that she basically seems like a miniature version of her mom. Which, like, I understand, like, the whole point of this is that he's, like, sort of rekindling his lost flame, but if you're trapped as 17-year-old Keanu, like, I know that you probably don't want to date the girl whose mom is the girl that you really love, but she seems like she's great. Like, there's nothing bad about her at all. Even the fact that later in the movie, when Keanu continually blows her off and, like, goes on dates with her with her mom, says, oh, let's go out Friday instead of Saturday so I can, like, spend Saturday night with your mom, even after all of that, she's, like, forgiving and understanding. Like, it's just, like, she is perfect. And just, like, there's, there's like, no mind pain. It's just, like, oh, they're not going to get together because he's in love with the mom. But, like, she's, like, this perfect girl and it is it's weird that like how little he cares about her yeah it makes it especially harder when he just uses her up and tosses her aside to get to her mom it's just it's bad behavior like i you know you're a 40 year old in that mind you should know better than to hurt this girl's feelings that way it's just at times it was hard to watch because she knew exactly what was going on which was strange to get the sense that she realized before keanu was ready to admit that you have the hots for my mom 
you right. know, she had no idea that he was 40 either. He, it's just kind of like something her as a girl had the intuition about. That's how it came across to me. There's the moment when he's finally allowed to take her out, shows up and is like, hey, why don't we all go on this date? Your, your mom, your younger brother, like, let's make it a big family affair. It's so uncomfortable. Like, it's, like their relationship... Keanu's relationship with their whole family is awkward from the get-go because the first time he goes to her house, like he asks her out after the big basketball game. She says, I need to talk to my mom. And like he goes to their house and he's talking to the mom and he finds out that it's this girl, Laura, this woman, Laura, that he loves. And she's like, she says something like, oh, I knew your father very well. And like, she doesn't say it creepy, but it's just like, oh, yeah, like me and your father used to like a bone all the time. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, it, like, it's, like you're, you're talking to a 17 year old, like it's just creepy. Like there's like yeah. this weird, gross relationship there. Even before he tries to like make any moves, it's just like uncomfortable from the start. Yeah, and it's definitely confirmed by the end. Like he has to prove that. He has to tell her something only he would know that no one else would. And he kind of tells her about the time that they had sex. Oh, I'm sorry, the time that they drank Miss McGill's tea together. And I was like, whoa, they're, they're even, they're full disclosure in this movie. I'm like, wow, I can't believe that. But but yeah, you're right. This is strange territory. It's I don't know what they're getting at here. Like, is it supposed to be hilarious, this circumstance because it's supposed to be like look what he's got to juggle the mom and the daughter i think it's supposed to be funny because it's awkward but like it's all so awkward and if this was real life there'd be like no recovering from any of this you know what i mean (laughs) like this is a girl that you don't know this is a mom who like probably thinks you're a weird dude you know what i mean just like showing up for the first time and yet, not only does he win over the girl, like, right away, he ultimately wins over the mom, too. Like, it's crazy. Yeah, but yeah. this awkwardness does lead to, I think, maybe my favorite line in the movie. The whole thing is that his parents are dead. And he tells Tracy that his parents died in a car crash. And he tells her mom that they died in a plane crash. Tracy hears Keanu say that to her mom. And she's like, I thought you said it was a car crash. And he says, actually... A plane crash into a car. It made national news. And then, and then the mom says, "Wait, Michael's dead." And Keanu says, "Pretty much." <laughs> that's it. That's the end of the scene. And it's just like, wait, wait, hold on. What? A plane crash into a car. It made national news. My father's pretty much dead. <laughs> end of scene. On to the next. That's the level of writing. I don't think that's supposed to be funny. I think that's supposed to be like awkward and like he's like you know caught in a lie but like it's so goofy and i love it but tracy told me your parents were dead oh yeah a plane crash i thought you said it was a car crash actually a plane crashed into their car it made national news michael's dead pretty much but you know what kind of makes that more amazing is the button on the scene is once Keanu exits frame, the girl turns to the mom and says, now that we know he comes from good genes, is it okay to date him? <laughs> but what's even funnier, I think, not maybe not funnier than the line, but like the funny, like in terms of the awkwardness, is that they go back to school, there's like the eruption of applause of the kid passes class or passed a test or whatever. And then Tracy comes up to Keanu. Tracy comes up to, to Mick. He goes by Mick because his dad is Mike. And 
he, or you know, not his dad. I mean, I guess his fake dad. He whatever. He's Mike, so he goes by Mick. And Tracy's like, "Oh, my mom says that we can go out." And all Keanu wants to know is what she said about him. And she's like, "I don't know, mom stuff. Like, you know, you're like, like you're a nice boy." And he's like, "Boy, why is she saying I'm a boy? Like, doesn't she know I'm a man?" It's like, "No, you're a 17 year old boy." telling awkward lies about your parents be happy that she doesn't hate you and want to keep her daughter away from you but he's so upset finally like they're about to go on their first date and this is i think when you mentioned earlier they make it like a group date like they're supposed to go to a movie and he invites the mom he invites the kid they go out for pizza they go out for like all like it just and like tracy like being a good trooper just like gets through all this even after the whole town finds out they took the girl out like the whole family out she still kind of like likes him and wants to go out with him. And it's just so weird and uncomfortable and kind of sad. Tracy has one of my other favorite lines in the film when she says, I can't go out in public with my whole family. That is, to me, one of the quintessential teenage emotions. That just reminded me almost of my sister when she said that. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm getting like a flashback. This is, this is hilarious. Keanu's just like lost it, you know? I think literally doesn't have any control over it. It's like those teenage hormones are kicking into his 40-year-old brain and he has no control over what he's doing, what he's saying, the implications that he's making. And what I also love is this is another instance of how fast news travels in this town. By the time they get to school tomorrow, everybody knows what happened last night. Word gets around fast that Keanu is getting weirder. And the only way that I can see that it's kind of okay, that it's not like the weirdest request in the world, is because this kid, supposedly his parents are dead, right? And so I can see him sort of valuing family and wanting to have like a family experience, but not on your first date with a girl. Like, it's just, it's so weird. Like, it's sort of like, I can sort of see that. But also, like, yeah, word's going to get around that, like, you're a real weirdo, dude. Yeah, and I could sort of see that if it were true. You know, if his parents had actually died, you know, and he was an orphan and he did need this family presence around him to feel normal again. Yeah, but he's lying. You know, that's not what's going on with him. We know that for certain that's not what's going on. If it were, maybe he'd get something of a pass. So he goes back to school. And he doesn't get a pass, and the kids are finally making fun of him, which is appropriate. And then Tracy comes up to him, and he convinces her somehow, I think he convinces her, he's like, I want to go out with you, like, I want to hang out with you. She's like, okay. And then he says something about, like, maybe after the basketball game, and she's like, oh, that's good. And then he says to her, hey, do you think your mom would want to come to the game? And she just says, drop dead, Mick. Like, yeah, appropriate response. This girl is now the laughingstock, sort of, of the school because... Her mom went on her first date with this guy, and now you're asking if the mom – like, just no, just stop. Like, I understand that, like, we're under sort of a time crunch. That's going to be, like, a 90-minute movie, and then they like, can't have, like, dates in between. But, like, come on, dude. Yeah, he's coming across like a psycho. Why like, he's manipulating this girl to no end. He, he's like, oh, let's go out Friday. Uh, I can't, like, my mom's going out or something. And then, oh, yeah, how about Saturday? You know, she'll be at the gallery. Okay, then Friday. And it's all just to find out what her mom's up to. <laughs> just po- poking and prodding. And rightfully tells him to drop dead because, yeah, she is totally onto this. She even says stuff to the mom in a couple scenes later about her feelings about it. Like, I applaud this character. I think they got her really well written. If they've gotten nothing else right in this movie, she comes across as the way a teenager would react to these kinds of situations. It's kind of out of your control, so 
you're confused, but you also want to stand up for yourself and speak your mind. And I, I think Tracy's my favorite character of the movie. Which is really exciting because as I found out, and as I told you before we started recording, this actress who plays Tracy, her name is Jessica Steen, is going to come back next episode for Flying. And she's one of the four leads with Keanu. So this girl, I mean... She was also in, apparently, an episode of Night Heat and an episode of Hang It In, not oh. Keanu's episodes. But I guess she's just, like, another Canadian actress, maybe? And she's going to be back next week. So, I mean, like, I do really like her in this movie, and I'm happy to see her back again next week in the gymnastics movie, I Dream of Flying or Flying. So I definitely agree with you that she is the best part of this movie, and or at least in terms of, like, the writing of the characters. And I'm excited to see her again in, hopefully, like, a movie that has better writing around it. Yeah, best part of this is still Keanu and this art installation that he just casually bumps into the mom at. <laughs> God, this is so strange. Like, he literally forces her into a date. She doesn't know what's going on. I think she's from the perspective you might have mentioned where it's like he has no parents. She's starting to realize, okay, this boy needs attention. We, we find out later what she really thought of him. Bef- right before, I guess, he tells her who he really is... She says to him, I never thought of you as anything more than a friend, a young friend. And she's like, oh, that's like, she has sort of had the, the appropriate relationship with him, but it's still weird. Like, he weasels his way into a date with her, and then I don't think he's particularly persuasive, but she just goes along with it. And I don't know if it's like you were saying that she just knows that he needs attention or that he, she genuinely likes his company or she wants to give him a good impression because he likes her daughter. I don't know what's going on. It's just, it's strange. And that gossip gets around town as well, that he's dating the girl's mom. Or I mean, there's just lots of bad talk going around at town at this point. You know, Georgetown is a small place. I don't think it's Georgetown. I don't think it's like a real George. I think it just called Georgetown. I think it's just supposed to be small town USA. Yeah. It's kind of this very nondescript suburban town. But people are are now talking. Laura is she's at work. We mentioned she's a reporter and she has some article that needs to get on page one and everyone's sort of like, oh, well, maybe we should uh, do an article about you going out with your daughter's boyfriend. (laughs) And it's like, whoa, people in this town are mean. And, like, the the town is almost meaner than Tracy. Like, Tracy's not happy about this, but Tracy's sort of... I don't, I don't want to say she gets it. She's dealing she's a with little it, bit, right? She's a little bit more forgiving, yeah. And she she's just, like, not happy that they're hanging out. And Laura says to her, mixed like a son to me. I don't care how old he acts. He's 17 years old. And then Tracy has a great line, maybe your best line in the movie. She says, I just want you to know that if you go to prom with him, I'm never speaking to you again. And she storms out of the room and is wonderful. I can tolerate you going to an art museum with him, going to the ballet with him, whatever. But, like, do not bring him to prom. That, that is off limits. Like, that is crossing a line. Again, that's why I I love this character, because I feel like they got her right. She's like, I get it. Maybe you wanted a son, or you just have these maternal instincts toward this boy with no parents. I get that, but don't let it get any further. She's sort of warning her, you're 40, he's 17. You realize that, right? And and the mom's like, oh, of course. Like, yeah, nothing's ever going to, like, don't be silly. But (laughs) Tracy's kind of like, okay, as long as you're sure. I know what's going on. I know what could happen. Just don't let it happen. (laughs) 
So yeah, so then they go to the ballot. Like it's just like I feel like as this movie goes on, Tracy gets more and more sidelined. So like the first love story was Keanu and that boy he was tutoring, and then it was for like I don't know four minutes him and Tracy, and now it's just him and the mom. And they go to the ballet, and like he just convinced her to go to the ballet. He's like, oh, none of my friends like ballet. They all think it's like wimpy or whatever. And she's like, you know, I haven't really been to the ballet in a while. And they go. And, like, the whole time they're there, he's, like, you know, wondering whether or not he should, like, put the moves on her. And I'm just like, please don't make a move. Please don't make a move. Please don't make a move. And then they get back home after nothing, thankfully, an innocuous night. And he's like, hey, do you mind if I come in and say hi to, you know, the girl that I should be dating and her little brother? And the mom's like, oh, they're not home. He's like, oh, can I just come in for a drink? She's like, well, I got milk if you want to come in for milk. He's like, yeah. And as she's pouring the milk, he, like, sets the mood, like, turns off lights and puts on, like, mood music. And she comes and she's like, oh, it's so dark in here. Just, like, starts turning things on. He's just, like, morphing into, like, creepy 40-year-old guy, you know, like, hookup mode. You know, it's, it's all gross and weird. And they're just talking about what it would have been like if she had married Michael. And he's sort of advocating for him. But, like, to her... It's like just there's a dead guy. Like it's just no matter how you look at it, it's uncomfortable. What's kind of amazing is his lack of understanding any kind of situation really. First he she asks him in for milk and cookies, okay? Now that could be taken a yeah. certain way to a certain person. But he's seventeen and it's pretty clear that she does not have any attraction to him at this point. She is just being a friend. But in his mind, he feels like it's in the bag. I get the sense that he's regressed almost like he is thinking like a teenager. Like I just have to make a move. She's mine. I took her to the ballet. Like, I spent the day at the art museum with her. She asked me in for milk and cookies. Yeah, basically I've put in the time. Now it's time for me to get mine. Yeah. I knew what was coming. I was just dreading it with half a hand over my eyes waiting for it to happen. And then he finally makes a move and she like rightfully flips out. And at this point, I'm just like, just tell her, just go ahead and tell her. Yeah. It has to get out there. And like, he doesn't really, she basically kicks him out without, I guess, in terms of the movie so that we can have that confrontation or that conversation a little bit later. But that, that, that's the conversation that, like, has to happen there. Otherwise, like, there's no way for him to go home because now the whole town knows about it. Tracy hates him at school. The whole school knows him. Like, nobody wants anything to do with him. They're like, dude, you crossed the line. This is gross and weird. Just get away. That is awesome. When he goes back to school, there's sort of the lonely piano playing over him, and he wanders <laughs> over to the group of friends, and they just walk away from him, and he turns around and walks away himself alone. Uh, he gets called on in class and kind of flips out at the teacher, saying, I'm not some kind oh, of God. freak that can just sit and answer your questions for you. Like, he really loses it. I'd like you to explain to the class how a bill passes in Congress. Why? Well, Mick, I, I just thought... I know what you thought. I know what everybody thinks, that I'm some kind of freak. What is wrong with you people? Just because someone acts the slightest bit different, you treat him like he's a monster or something. I never said I was perfect. That's something you decided. Now you're deciding that I'm weird, and there's nothing I can do about it. So if you don't mind, Mrs. Ross, I'm not going to tell you how a bill goes through Congress. I'm just going to sit here and look bored like the rest of you. That is the best freakout. 
it's so good. He's just like, I can't just sit here and answer questions like I'm some kind of monster. Like, she's like, hey, Mick, can you, like, explain this? He's like, why bother? And it's just like, oh, like, <laughs> it's just a kid who, like, you know, struck out on the girl that he wanted, who just happened to be someone who's twice his age and just basically game over. He's like, I don't want to be 17 again. Yeah. I don't, I won't, but I, I can't get my woman. Like, I'm done. Yeah, it's basically he's at the at the stage of he's sorry for what he wished for. He's seen he's seen the bad end of the deal now. Like it was not worth it at this point for him. You know what else what? is kind of amazing is at that moment where he's kind of defeated and given up, he's finally acting like a seventeen year old for once. You yeah, know, like moping in class. And still, like nobody cares. Like nobody's like, oh, this is finally like you know what high school was supposed to be like. People are just like, oh, this is like this guy was a weirdo. Like we're done with him. And then this is finally when he has that the talk with Laura that should have come that last time, and he tells her the story. He leads off with basically, "I met up with an angel." She's just <laughs> like, "Yeah, right." Like, okay. He's like, "He's like, actually, I don't know if she was. I don't know if he was an angel or not, but you know, like, yeah, I just said just I wanted to be seventeen. Guy. Now I'm seventeen. But what's great about this scene is just like he's like, fine. Like, you don't believe me? I'm gonna tell you things that nobody else knows. He's like, your favorite color is pink. You like ice cream." This, that, they're, like, they're all, like, the most generic things that, like, you know, literally anybody who knows her would know. She's just like, your father could have told you that. And then he's like, fine, you want to know what nobody else could know? And then he tells her the story that you brought up earlier about how they sit Miss McGill's tea at the lake. And she's like, why? Like, what kind of father would tell his son that? And he's like, not me. I guess that's finally, I don't know, like, is that, like, what convinces her? I think that puts her over the edge. I love how he mentions, listen to Love Me Tender. That's our song. I thought of Sailor and Lula. I was like, oh, sure. Love Me Tender. This is not a love story like Sailor and Lula. Like, they are perfect. No, no. This is anything but perfect. Well, I don't. I mean, this might be crazier than Wild at Heart. Yeah, I think that's what puts her over the edge. He, he, makes, a, he makes a pretty rock-solid case. You know, he's like, how do you even explain me? I'm a 17-year-old with a 40-year-old mind. That doesn't just happen. And she's got a great line. She goes, anything is easier to believe in than an angel. <laughs> I guess she sort of gets past that. Whether or not she believes it's an angel or whatever, she sort of is like, okay, like, let me just pretend for a minute like this is actually like, what happened. Yeah, yeah. And really what she wants to know is why. This is just like super depressing. Just I feel like my whole life seemed like one long mistake. And then his plan to write things is to make her 17 again. Like he yes. wants to go find this angel and make her 17. Except unlike him, who's basically this wealthy bachelor with no responsibilities except for his job, she's got two kids, she's got a job, she can't just abandon everything because, you know, life didn't work out for him. Like, she's, aside from, like, her husband dying, she's happy with where she is. And Keanu's like, I don't, I don't get it. Like, I thought, I thought we were in love. And she's like, I, I can't do this. That was such a great reversal because I just didn't see that part coming. It was great that she started to believe him. Okay, let's just say, for instance, you're telling the truth. Then his half-cocked plan of turning her into a 17-year-old also, instead of just saying, I'll go turn myself back into 40, wait for me, we'll be together, finally, that'll be the deal. Instead, no, he's going in the other direction. He wants them both to be kids. That's just not in the cards. She even says something cool where she's like, you know, I like myself at this age. So, like, I accept myself. I'm yeah. 40. That's a good thing to some people. And he still kind of can't understand what that means. And, like, what's kind of sad for him 
is that they, they broke up when they were young because he was too career-focused, and now they can't get together because he's not career-focused enough. Like, he's never in the right headspace for where she is. You know, I guess this is where he finally realizes his flaw, is that he's so concerned with making himself happy that he doesn't really care what Laura wants at all. Responsible high schoolers are going to care about their future, like Sandwich Kid cares about his future. Also, what he's saying in the beginning of the movie, like, you know, appreciate the fact that you're a kid. And so if you're this 17-year-old high school girl, Laura, dating a guy, right, and all he talks about is his career, that's not fun. And now if you're like a 40-year-old mom of two with a job she likes and she's like comfortable in her own skin, and now you have this kid just like, hey, let's just hang out and have ice cream and like do whatever, that's not appealing either. Take a step back and like look at it from her perspective. And I think the reason that Keanu actually does wind up having this attitude adjustment is because it's coming from someone he realizes he actually loves and cares about. It seems like maybe the only person in his entire life that he comes to realize that he actually has any feelings for is this woman, Laura. So when it comes out of her mouth, it's a real wake-up call. He's kind of been hearing the same sort of thing from time to time throughout the movie. I think even the old man, Angel on the bus, scene, where he says it's never too late to start over, but he's everyone's giving the implication that it's not too late. It's not too late before he turns 17. And even while he's 17, it's not really the age, it's the attitude. It seems to me that based on what she's saying, that there's no way that they get together, right? Do you like do you mm-hmm. get that sense that like they're just they're, yeah. they're in different mindsets, right? Yeah, it's as long as you're 17, this can't happen. You have to look at it as an adult. It's just not possible. I'm not sure what she's really thinking, but like it seems to me that like, is he gonna return to being 40 and then ask her out? Like that's the only way that it seems like she would want to go out with him, right? But it also seems like if he did it that way knowing what she knows, it would sort of be too late. Yes. Oh, like, you know, I just talked to 17-year-old you, and you're now 40 with a job, but mentally, you're not in a place where I want you to be. And so I think that's why it makes sense in terms of the magical realism of the movie that she sort of gets that mind wipe, right? Because he's able to grow from the experience, but if she knew what he had said to her as a 17-year-old, I don't think there's any way that they would have started dating when like, the movie sort of ends on this hopeful note that she shows up at the end that they actually are going to get together now. When he's 17, the damage was done. I think you're right about that. There's no, there's no going forward because it's just too deep of a hole. Even if he had turned back to 40, then it's like, oh, remember the time when I was 17 and we all went to the movies and then had pizza and I you know, was out with your daughter and all that stuff. And, and it's like, oh, it, what would happen if Keanu showed up as an adult and Tracy's like, what the hell is this? Like, imagine what that poor girl would go through if she could remember these last two weeks, I'm going to say, if this all actually went down. So I think that's why at the end here, when he gets turned back to an adult, It appears that none of this has ever happened, that he has pretty much gotten on the bus, driven around the block, gotten back off, and it's still his birthday party going on upstairs. Like, it's like the whole thing was sort of a dream, I guess? Well, the old man not only can turn you old or young, but he can also travel you through time as well. So, like, he may as well have just returned him to himself as a 17-year-old in in that year. If he could could make him travel through time, too, just do a Peggy Sue got married on this guy, and it would have gone a lot smoother. 
Because that's what that's what Michael Riley wants. He wants to be Peggy Sued. He doesn't yeah. want to just become seventeen in today because that's he's so out of place. Right. I mean, he wants to be you know seventeen in, in an era where he understands things. Yeah. <laughs> but he even says to the angel, "If I wasn't seventeen, I could be with Laura right now." And the angel says, "Yes, you could." But could he really? Like, like before we realize that she doesn't remember anything about this experience. Like, I don't think, I guess the no, angel knows more. I don't think more, he could have. Yeah, I think the yeah. angel's wrong. No, the angel was not <laughs> watching the same incident that we went through. Like, I don't know, he was helping someone else. He was, wasn't paying attention what was going on in Georgetown. But no, if he was, he could see this is like the Twilight Zone. If things were not put back in place at the end of this, it would be a very dark ending. But like, what, what's weird about the ending as it stands now is that if we forget about everything that happened with him at 17 and we just follow like the 40 year old him timeline right so he's at his birthday party he has that awkward conversation with the dude about how he looks different he calls laura ostensibly goes back to the party instead of getting on the bus or whatever right or he gets on the bus and he gets back off the bus and then laura just shows up you haven't seen this guy in 20 years he calls you and instead of calling him back you just show up like that's weird right Yes. Now, was she in town for some kind of meeting or something, or did she just like, leave from Georgetown and drive there? Like, it's very magical how she just showed up. I think a bus, just like a magic bus with an old angel showed up and dropped her off, you know, five <laughs> minutes later, ten minutes earlier or something like that. But it's all very just magically concluding here at the end. But it's a happy ending because it's a Disney movie, and, you know, you don't really see them whether or not they're going to actually have a successful relationship, but you sort of have to assume that they're going to be fine because he now grew from this experience. She's there with him, so on and so forth, happily ever after, hopefully. Now, here's one weird thing is that Keanu's going to have a memory. He's going to have the memory of the extra few weeks or whatever he spent as a kid. So he's going to have this intimate knowledge about Tracy if he ever becomes her stepfather you know he's just got to be sure that he doesn't let anything slip at any point you know oh what I mean? god oh so awkward so awkward so I have one Keanu Nexion Keanu Nexion Keanu Nexion we, we need to figure it out maybe maybe connection is not the right word yeah it's so close though it's so close I don't know we'll figure it out if you're listening and you have any suggestions let us know but I have one thing that's going to possibly blow your mind uh but before we get there anything else that we didn't talk about the movie i mean this is i think is our longest episode by far because this is finally you know keanu as the keanu that we want to see anything else that we didn't talk about in your notes that you want to make sure we covered no i think we got to everything i wanted to get to uh i think they're gonna be a bit longer from now on because keanu is coming into his own he's gonna be more of a leading man at this point or at least you know if not if not the lead one of the leads he's gonna be up front and yeah i think uh we're off we're off and running now so who who in the movie was ted was he one of the friends because in terms of age he looks like he would be about like 20 or so when the movie came out was he one of the high schoolers yeah ted's one of the one of the guys yep you might not believe this but the guy who plays ted vincent murray was thug number two to keanu's thug number one in the first two episodes of night heat amazing so those two guys i mean we didn't get to see that first episode but you know the guy that i guess is arrested at the beginning the the guy that the whole first two episodes of night eater about them trying to catch these two thugs that's vincent murray from this movie like that's amazing crazy 
He's the it's guy that like nuts. comes into the hospital to check on Keanu, but gets chased off by the lady yeah. cop. And then, yeah, oh my gosh, that's in, that's great. I wonder if Keanu was, because obviously Keanu was cast early because he's the star of this. I wonder if they're like, we need an actor to play one of your friends, and he just sort of brought him in. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know yeah. if that's how it happened. He was also, this guy Vincent Murray was also in an episode of Hanging In, but not the episode that Keanu was on. But I guess they're like these, like, you know, common shows for a lot of Canadian teens to be on are Night Heat and Hanging In, so. Yeah, didn't you say Tracy was on Night Heat as well, an episode of yeah. Night Heat? Yeah, kind of cool to see that this early there's all these crossovers. The only other thing I wanted to point out was that the woman who plays Laura is Lindsay Wagner, who yep. is the bionic woman. So she is sort of a big TV star. Um, you talked about Robert Urich at the top. He plays grown-up Michael. Um, no other real cage connections. There's no trivia at all listed on IMDb. How amazing was the final shot of the movie when Lindsay Wagner and Robert York were walking out of the apartment complex and there was the ghost version of the angel, like he was transparent, yeah. and he just kind of watches them walk off together and waves and they can't see him, but he's there. That he's going to watch them forever. That was crazy. I love it. I love how creepy, like, there's like this subtle undertone of creepiness to everything in this movie and it's wonderful. So we just tell them how they could see this fine, fine film? So you can see this on YouTube in four parts. The first part is like 48 minutes, and then there's like three 13-minute chunks for some reason. If you just search Young Again 1986, it's some Russian uploader. It's at Keanu.ru. I would not go there because I do not know what it is. There's like a little like TV station branding on like the bottom right of the movie, and there's Russian subtitles the entire movie. So now I know how to spell Mick in Russian, so that's cool, I guess. It's available on YouTube, because otherwise, if it's not on YouTube, I don't think it's available anywhere else. I think it's just like, that's the only place that it is. The only other version I've seen of this is there's a UK VHS PAL version of this for sale on eBay. I can't play a PAL VHS in an American player, so I did not splurge for the copy, but there is a UK copy out there somewhere. Good luck finding it (laughs) and playing it in an American VHS player. Yeah, so that is Young Again. Up next, we have Flying, a.k.a. I Dream of Flying, a.k.a. American Dream, which is about gymnasts and gymnastics, I think. I have no idea. That's available to buy on DVD, so that's a little bit more readily available. There's still, like, YouTube stuff coming up in a couple episodes. You know, mid to late 80s Keanu, it just, it's only available on YouTube. As long as we can watch a copy of the movie somehow, I'm happy, and that's all that really counts. So thank you, YouTube, this time around for (laughs) helping us out with Keanu Club so much. So for all things Keanu Club, you can go to facebook.com slash cageclub or cageclub.me. You can learn about Keanu Club, Cage Club, Zack Attack, and Monkey Club. You can see all the news that we share, all the past podcasts we've done. All things for all those podcasts at those two places. I'm Joey Lewandowski. And I'm Mike Manzi. And we'll see you next time on Keon.